Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I am so excited to share episode number 60 of our podcast with you. Many of you know we started this podcast a little over a year ago with the intent to share local stories of faith and sports and also talk about our mission, which is to share the hope and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and promote unity and racial reconciliation and talking to people of how sports brings people together like no other. In today's episode, you're going to hear from Matt Harbin. Matt's currently the head baseball coach at Little Elm High School in the Dallas, Texas area. He's married, has two kids. He is an incredible man of faith. I cannot wait for you to hear his story, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach. I appreciate you having me. You bet. So I always like to start off with some background information. I know a lot of listeners may not be familiar with who you are. So, you know, talk a little bit about where you're from, your family growing up, and a little bit what sports you play, and then, you know, finish up with a little bit about your family today. Okay. Well, um, I grew up in Spring, Texas, which most people don't know where um, Spring is. It's just north of Houston and as soon as I say the woodlands, everybody kind of gets it but yeah. right next to the woodlands. Um, and so I um, grew up there, grew up in the same house. Um, my parents uh, lived in the same house for 40-plus years, which is a blessing and not stuff you, you see a whole lot. Um, I can't even say that about my kids right now because we've moved a couple of times since they've been born. But um, I grew up there. Um, I got an older sister named Meredith. Um her and I are still close, and she's got um, two older kids. One's in high school, one's in uh, junior high. And then, uh, see, <clears throat> I played pretty much baseball since I was a kid. I played a little, little football in junior high. Um, didn't, didn't care too much for it, um, which is funny because I ended up coaching it for eight years in high school. Hmm. But um, you know. I've, Played a little soccer, didn't care for much. I just kind of always wanted to play baseball, so that's what I did. Um, played four years in high school, and then um, I played in college. Actually kind of bounced. It's an interesting story we'll get into in a minute, but I played at three different schools until I kind of found my home up at uh, up in Lubbock, Texas with our Red Raiders and Texas Tech. And then um, after that, got into coaching. I met my wife while we were up in, in Lubbock. And um, we now have been married for over 10 years to celebrate our 10th year anniversary. And we got two kids, uh, Knox, who's three, and Jace, who's one. And Knox wants to be a firefighter and a policeman. That's all he wants to do is dress up like uh, firefighters. And Jace is right there following him with everything he does. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So we connected um, just a, f- a few weeks ago, and you were walking through – um, a, a tough time with had just recently lost your dad, um, but when we talked on the phone, I, I personally was very encouraged by the testimony you shared about how God had worked in your dad's life. So um, I'd love if you would if you would share that so the listeners could hear it. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, as I mentioned, growing up, my parents they they're married for um, forty seven years, and um, you know, when I was growing up, it was always my mom who um, dragged me and my sister sometimes to, to church, but always took us to church. I, 
I spent some days, um, you know, they had a Mother's Day out daycare that was at the church. And so I was always around the church because of my mom. And my dad was the churchgoer on Christmas Eve and Easter and funerals and weddings. That's about mm-hmm. the only time he attended church. And, um, <clears throat> but, you know, and, you know, besides that, you know, he was, he was always, he was a great father. He was always there. He just, the, the God side of it wasn't there for him. He grew up in a home that, um, one of his parents was Baptist, one of his parents was Catholic and, um, probably led to some of his, you know, way of thinking. And he actually attended, um, one of the universities briefly that I attended, um, to play it. And that was Houston Baptist. He went there for a couple of years and I was actually there for a year. Um, but kind of just whatever his path was, um, you know, church and, and being a follower of Christ wasn't, wasn't part of it. But, mm. um, about six years ago now, seven years ago now, um, he had some pain and he went in, um, some severe pain in his abs and he, and he went in, um, to the ER and they admitted him and he ended up having what we call pancreatitis. And that's the swelling of the, the pancreas, the inner wall swell, and it's excruciating pain. It's, you know, it's caused by, um, really it's your, it's your, the way you eat and the way, you know, your lifestyle mm-hmm. and, you know, his lifestyle, um, growing up was, you know, he, he, he drank some, he, uh, smoked a lot of cigarettes. You know, that was kind of the time growing up in the, you know, the sixties and the seventies going to college and the, 70s with the Vietnam and the 70s and stuff like that and so he kind of was right there with it and um you know that, that kind of changed a little bit for him um he quit he didn't have a sip of alcohol after that day he quit at cold turkey um which was good which was the first part of you know kind of this story and and then about um three years after, about three years ago uh, he had that same type pain, and this time it was his gallbladder that was acting up. And so when they were trying to, you know, set all the tests up and everything to get his gallbladder removed, they found a cyst in his pancreas. Mm. And that cyst was a cancerous cyst um, that they went in and they obviously removed the gallbladder, but they went back in, they removed the cyst, they got it before it burst, and they um, removed most of his pancreas, but they were able to remove the cyst before it uh, ruptured. And with with pancreatic cancer, which is what he had, 90% of the time you don't know you have it until that cyst ruptures. And when mm-hmm. that cyst ruptures, you're talking just, you know, a few weeks or months. There's, there's not much left. And so by the grace of God, they were able to catch it um, in time before. But... Unfortunately, because that cyst was wrapped around some soft tissue in the pancreas, uh, when they eventually did a body scan, they found two tumors in his abs that um, had majesticized and, and were not were inoperable. They couldn't they could get to them, and so um, he started chemo. He started um, his path on on trying to control cancer and the tumors and um here we are you know two and a half years later um it eventually gets them the drugs um 
couldn't stop the the growth that slowed it down. But in the course of those two and a half years, um, my father found his way um, back to Christ. He became a um, not only a follower, but he started making sure that he was going with my mother. And my mother finally um, got her Sunday partner to go to church. And mm. he, uh, you know, one of the side notes of the story is when I was in sixth grade, um, I was confirmed um, in my in the church, my, my parents' church, the Klein United Methodist Church down there in spring. And my grandmother, his mother, um, Grandma Eleanor, um, gave me a gold cross and a gold necklace. And through all the moves that I did through high school, college, you know, early family, all the moves we made through coaching, uh, that cross never, I never lost it. I always had it. Hmm. And once my father started um, his walk with Christ, you know, towards the end of his life, I found it and I gave it to him for his birthday. Um, after his mother had passed, um, she passed uh, two Decembers ago, and he wore it, and um, he wore it till his um, his final days, and mm. through his final days, and we were actually there with him, and um, and now I wear it, and I will, I got it, my mom gave it back to me, and I'll, I'll wear it until I see him again. Wow. So that, and that was one of the things that, you know, as when we first talked, I was I actually shared that story and that testimony at his memorial service. And, um, you know, it's one of those that you, you know, God, God can use pancreatic cancer to, to save his people. God mm-hmm. can use anything he wants to save his people. And there's always good that comes out of, you know, every, you know, bad situation. I was, you know, you know, what he didn't suffer at the end. He did have, you know, you know, cancer is not something that is suffer free, but for him, that's that's what it took for him to find his way back, and and it's a blessing in the end. When we look back on it, that he, he was able to, God was able to work with work in him the last couple of years of his life. That's awesome. I think it's, yeah, to me, it's just it was a. I just remember hanging up that night. You and I talked and and kind of reliving my own moment with my dad um, from 2014. That was. You know, you think about losing your dad as being horrific, but you look at how God uses, like you said, some of the most difficult things for good. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, he, he does, and I'll tell you this. Um, you know, I was there with my mom and my sister, um, giving him his medicine and, and everything he needed to make him comfortable, you know, through hospice and stuff like that. And about uh, on the day he passed, um, about five hours before, um, he took his last breath for the the first and last and only time. Um, him and I prayed together, and that was something that um, him and I never did growing up. All the trips, all the stuff we did, um, we didn't. And that's one of the things that I'll be able to to cherish moving on is that we finally got to do that. Wow! Before he passed, man, that's oof. It's kind of hard to continue on now. It's like we could just hit stop and <laughs> and uh, you know and kind of put a bow on this thing. But we'll continue um, this conversation. And but yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I know it's not always easy to talk about things like that. But I just think that there's always people that 
you know, maybe going through a, a really tough time that just need to hear, you know, encouragement that God uses it all. Um, the most difficult things like cancer, he can use for good. That's good. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, I mean, you mentioned being confirmed. Um, is that the point or what point in your life did, did the, your faith, your relationship with Jesus become real to you? Oh, man, no, I wish it was when I was in sixth grade. My life would have been probably a little bit easier for, for my own fault. Um, no, I, you know, I'm, you know I, I, I always, you know, God does have his own path for everybody. That's one thing that, you know, as I get older, I try to teach the kids that I either, you know, coach or have in classes that, and even as part of what I tell parents at parent meetings and stuff is that every 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 person's on a different path, either, you know, if they're walk of life or their athletic ability, whatever, it, it, everybody's different. Nobody's mm-hmm. on the same path. You know, that's why you have kids that you see nowadays commit when they're in eighth grade. And then you see guys like myself, I had to walk on to two different schools before I found a place that would, you know, give me money to play ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... For me personally, um, I, I had to I had to try to do things my way um, through high school, through college, even through the first part of you know being a coach and and, and being married. And boy, did I fail more than I succeeded at pretty much all of those trying hmm. to do it my way. And it wasn't until um, truthfully August of 2010 I was. Um, I was sitting on the, I wasn't sitting, I was kneeling on the floor of a turf room called the all-purpose room at Monterey High School. I was on bended knee and crying and sobbing because of the pressures of life and everything was getting to me. And that was the moment I stopped and and I told, I told God, I said, God, my life is yours. I can't do this anymore. Mm. Um, the pressure of all the things that were going on, um, was just consuming me. So I, I felt like I had about 9,000 pounds on my back. And that's when I, I sat there on that floor and I prayed for about 20 minutes. And, wow. You know, um, immediately, you know, the, <clears throat> the weight lifted. And um, truthfully, in a matter of, it was literally a day, one of the big things that had been going on in my life. Um, started to get corrected and started moving in the right direction. Um, wow. It was that quick. And That's awesome. Not to say not to say that, you know, life has been perfect afterwards, but you know, when when somebody goes through that and you get on the other side of that, um, all the problems that still come up, all the waves that hit you, it's just you see it in a different light and you you know that no matter what happens, God is there and you will get through it. You'll get through the the tough parts to get to the the better blessings on the other side that, that a lot of times the, the, the things you have to go through, you know, they're, it's not God doing them to you. It's, it's God trying to show you that you need to change in order to get to where he wants you. And, and that is, I, that moment from then on, all the things, all the trials, all the tribulations, all that stuff, I've seen in a completely different light than I would have if I hadn't. And what I used to do as a college kid and, and a high school kid. So That's awesome. But, so I mentioned the intro, you're a head baseball coach now at Little Elm um, in the Dallas area. So talk a little bit about your coaching journey. You know, 
why did you go into coaching and, you know, and, and what that journey l- looked like? Well, uh, when I was 10 years old, um, I told my dad if, if I wasn't going to be a, a big leaguer, I was going to coach. And um, I wasn't even close to being a big leaguer, so <laughs> I got into <laughs> to coaching. Um, but now I uh, – <clears throat> When I finished up my playing days um, in Lubbock, um, I had to finish up a year of school. And so I kind of I spent about a year and a half away from the game, um, working and finished up school. And, and that's, that's when I truly, like I knew I wanted to be a teacher and I had to get all my teaching stuff done, you know, um, on top of my double major and stuff. And so school took a little longer and, um, but in that year and a half, I knew that being away from the game that I wanted, I, that that was what confirmed that I needed to be a coach, that I wasn't meant to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so once I got all that year education and all that done, I ended up the first school I taught at was a uh, George Bush High School down in, in Fort Bend, Texas. And I was a student teacher and a volunteer coach there. And then – and then I moved back up to, to spring um, and lived with my parents for a little bit because I didn't have a, a job. And so I ended up being a, a science co-teacher, which I know nothing about science. I majored in history. Um, I was a science co-teacher making about 200 bucks a week living with my parents, but I was a volunteer coach at, at Klein Collins High School, which was um, still some of the funnest times I ever had as an assistant. And um, I coached there for four years uh, under Kent Metter. And then Kent Metter ended up leaving and going to Lubbock Monterey because he was from Lubbock. You know, I just spent five years in Lubbock. So we went back with him and my wife did and moved back up there, spent two years up there. And then um, you want to talk about God's path. Um, He had a guy text me when I was – actually working at camp at Texas Tech University. I was I was working at camp out there, summer camp, and I got a text saying, you know, this is the AD from Bryan ISD down in Bryan, Texas. We have school, high school in Rudder that the head baseball job is open, and I'd never heard of Rudder High School. Mm-hmm. But next day, me and my wife drove down, uh, eight eight hours it took to get there. We we interviewed, we drove around. It was, you know, basically he took us out to eat. We drove around the whole community we saw everything and as we got back in the car to head back to, to Dallas we were staying with a, a buddy of mine up in up in Fort Worth and I got in the car and I said babe uh, this isn't what normal job interviews are when I've been going off to head coaching jobs this wasn't this isn't the way it works like we, we got fed we got took around it was like a eight-hour deal I said this isn't normal don't think I've been out you know vacationing for a day <laughs> when I've been taking these job interviews and uh, we decided that's where God was leading us. So we went there and I was a head coach at Rudder for five years and, um, wasn't really looking, but, uh, little Elm called. And again, I, I did not know the town of little Elm existed. I did not know little Elm high school existed. Um, in fact, the first time they called, um, I said no. And then they called again a week later and we came up here and, Again, we kind of had that same experience of getting a tour and everything, and thought God was leading us up here, so we made the move. We've been here for three years. 
So that's kind of kind of how my journey has, has has gone so far. Well, and, and as we're recording this, it's uh, baseball season's just kicking off, and so what's the what's the outlook for uh, Little Elm this year? Uh well, we um, shoot, we're 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 in the best position we've ever been in um, as far as team and talent and our culture and and the way our guys are are gelling. Certainly, honest, the best that's been since I've been here. You know, um, both both programs that I've taken over have kind of been in rough spots before. Um, when I was at Rudder High School, um, it only been in existence for four years. And they had four head coaches in four years. Oh wow! And the last one, the last one um, was having inappropriate relations with students. Mm. So I took over a a four A program, which is now five A um, at the time, and we had twenty six total kids with two managers um, in our program. And then, you know, with with great co- coaches, staffs, and you know everything, kind of come into place five years later we were three rounds in the playoffs and five inches from going to the fourth round um you know and, and kind of turned things around and stabilized things and god decided to bring me up here when we get up here um there's a the culture wasn't um very good um things were not you know, either seen or checked that the kids were doing that they mm-hmm. should be doing and they hadn't made the they made playoffs once in uh the last ten years. And since we've been here we've made it both years and we're looking to start making deep runs versus uh, just making it. And so we're kinda kinda changing that. Our our culture is completely different from what it was first first of the time we stepped on the you know, first time we got up here, and so we're just gonna keep moving. But it's very exciting. We just finished up, you know, four games, and we were in every game. And a lot of it, we lost the time because in tournaments, you know, you play a time limit. And we feel that we, if we kept going, we had a really good shot of taking the two games that we lost. And you know, we we battled in every game that we won. And so uh, things are looking good right now. Now you call me next week, it might not be the same. <laughs> week to week, but. <laughs> You call me on a pretty good weekend. So that's awesome. You mentioned the word culture um, multiple times in that answer. So I have to believe, just from our previous conversation prior to this, and then um, what you've said so far, um, recording this, that your faith plays a big role is in your job as a head coach. So. In establishing a culture, what role does your faith play? And then also, um, have you felt any any resistance from players, administration, booster club? Uh, well, um, first of all, it, it, it's it, it, it's my faith is is our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell parents every every parent meeting I have a mandatory one in the fall, mandatory one in the spring. I always end it with, I told him, look, I said, I'm, I'm a Christian. Um, our standards are based off the morals and biblical teachings. I said, I don't, you know, I'm not one that will um, push it when a kid doesn't want it, um, you know, but um, I'm always there. 
I'm always there for them if they feel the need to talk. I'm there for them as a person far more before I'm there for them as a, a baseball player. Mm. It's not just about baseball and wins. And I have a Bible verse at the top of every practice plan that I put out and put in every kid's hands every day. Um, you know, we, we pray um, before every game. Uh, in fact, last night we had a kid get injured. Um, don't know how long he's going to be out, but it's, it's his – it's not looking good. And so after the game, we, we talked and we gathered around him and we prayed before we left the field. Mm. And, um, we, uh, you know, that was one thing about, about little Elm, And that's one thing that I have looked at, um, in both my, my head coaching interviews is I told them, this is what I do. This is, I have a Bible verse here, you know, our practice plans and how's that going to go over. And I actually, when I interviewed for, Little Elm, um, when they offered me the job, I had another job offer from another school um, up here in, in the Dallas area that, um, on paper, looked like a better job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't feel one of the reasons that I, I didn't take that job. And, um, I turned it down was because of I felt that there would be resistance mm. with, with my faith and stuff. And so... Um, you know, I, I gotta I gotta go back to, you know, really a defining moment to to know that you're on the right path and you know where God wants you. As while I was at my my dad's service and I got up to to do the eulogy, you know, um, you get up there and like any other time you go and speak in front of people, it's it's tough. But you know, in that situation, it's obviously even tougher. Mm-hmm. But um, I looked up and. On, and we we did this on on National Signing Day, so um, we were actually about an hour. The service started about an hour before National Signing Day. Little Elm, we had 13, you know, kids signing across sports, and you know it's a big day for you know any athletic program. And I look up and Santa how my athletic director is, is sitting there in the pews at the service. You know, wow! National Signing Day to to be there. Um, with me and with my family and, you know, just confirmed of how, how our place is in our community. And, and, you know, it takes, you know, a, a village to raise a family on top of that, and especially when you're a coach, um, you know, parents, I, I, we've got parents that come and pick up um, our kids from daycare, if I can't get over there, my wife can't get over there, they take them to the game so we can prepare our kids, you know, pregame stuff. And our superintendent is a man of faith, um, Shannon Howe, she, our athletic director. Um, she's a woman of faith. And uh, Kendrick Brown, our assistant athletic director, our football coach, is a man of faith. I mean, we, we are all in this together. And I've yet to have a parent argue with me about praying and, and I don't think I will because we're we're kind of a kind of a small town community and a bigger town with the way mm-hmm. things are going but um no I have zero zero resistance from anybody that's awesome that is awesome it is yeah it is. so I mean you've you already kind of alluded to I'm going to jump ahead um mm-hmm. in in the outline that that, that I'd sent you but because you talked about um having little kids your wife works. You talked about other parents helping pick up kids. So how do you, 
I mean, that gives a picture of the demands of being a head baseball coach, especially um, in, in, in this area. So how do you balance um, the demands of the head coach with being a husband and being a dad as well? Well, first of all, my, my, my wife, Lindsay, is, is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, she, she knows when to ground me. She knows when to support me. Um, whether I um, agree with her in the moment or not, she is 99% of the time she's right when it comes to that. I'm just, I just haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is tough, um, especially in, in spring season, it's tough because we, we play, you know, a lot of Saturday games and she works, she's a, a hairstylist in, in Frisco. And so um, she works on Saturdays a lot and she travels. She's a, a Redkin artist which means she goes to other salons and teaches um, stylists there. And so she travels Sundays and Mondays. But I've got an incredible mother-in-law that's up here with us um, that, that also helps out. And then, like I said, uh, the community here, we got families that um, are probably list, our list of who can pick up our kids from daycare is probably the longest our daycare has ever had. Because um, <laughs> you just never know who's going to be um, picking our kids up because things, you know, things come up and obviously weather up here and things shift with our games and practices. But um, when it comes to, you know, being a, a father, these two love joining me. Like I, I told you before we got started yesterday, they were up at the weight room with us while our kids were lifting and running around and having fun. And they're interacting with our kids and, um, jumping in with them as much as they can and our kids know to watch out make sure that they don't you know drop a weight or something and if they're at the field um they're right there you know standing behind the the big the big bubba the big turtle um batting cage and they're watching and they're swinging and they're emulating so they're always with us um being a being a husband we you know we we make time we set up date nights um we try to look ahead and get a babysitter and so we can have our time. And, um, you know, we, we go to church Sunday mornings that we can spend time with, with the Lord, um, together. And you just kind of find ways to make it work. Summers, we always plan a, we, we started planning trips with my sister and her family. So we get some family time there. Um, during the fall, I, I, I try to scale back my weekends so I can pick up that extra time on Saturdays with the kids and Sundays with, um, with my wife. And so you just kind of, you kind of just adjust and go. Um, it's pretty much, it's pretty much how I can answer that question. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I've never known anything else. Um, I think if I ever took a eight to five job, I'd probably go stir crazy because I wouldn't be busy enough. I just, I'm a worker and, Watch the worker and we make it work together. That's awesome. That's all I'm telling you. I mean, I've talked to a number of coaches doing doing this, and that's most of them. The no, the first thing out of their mouth is acknowledgement of an incredible spouse. Oh yeah, you know, is no, the key to, to 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 making it work. I can't think of one that has said anything different. So that's no, awesome. And, and I'll tell you, you know the. The toughest part for us was when I, I coached 
football and baseball. Yeah. So where I was going most Friday, Thursday, Friday nights in the fall. And then, you know, then you carry on the spring. And that that was a true test of, of us and our relationship. And um, and then one of your former guests, um, Will Compton, was the man that, that um, allowed me to be a, just a straight head baseball coach. And, uh, coincidentally, I was four or five years ago, and here we go. We got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, so I'll let you put the put that into context. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. we, we, we had, uh, you know, me having that time in the fall allowed us to expand our family and, 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 to, and create a family, and I'll let her be, forever be in debt for Coach Will Compton and allowing us to that opportunity as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, – getting to talk to him and actually interview him and hear his story, just his passion. That, that's awesome. That's good to, to hear that about other guests as well. So let me ask you the role sports plays in culture. No secret that um, it's a divided culture, um, but one thing that, that unites, whether anywhere in the United States or anywhere around the world, that brings people together where people can turn a blind eye or tear down walls of whether it's it's race, it's social economics, it's it's religion, whatever could be dividing, sports kind of brings that together. So I was curious, being a coach and former athlete, how have you seen that work um, in, in in your career? You know, uh, it's it's a tough one, and that's that's becoming more and more of a you know hot topic with with our, our kids and stuff because that's you get to that point that that's all they know right now mm-hmm. um, growing up especially with the information access they have yeah but you know little Elm, we we've got kids from all different types of backgrounds mm-hmm. we've got um, kids who come from two parent homes one parent homes kids come from money kids that don't we have kids that, that weren't even born in this country mm-hmm. um, and so in Long in our little our little pocket with with our baseball program, I mean us us getting them to put themselves and their their selfish tendencies behind them to focus on um, their teammates and the guys next to them. That right there goes a long way for them, you know, in seeing that different backgrounds can come together. That it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be what maybe you see on the news. Um, when I was in college, when I was up in Lubbock, um, was when, you know, 2001, um, we were rocked, you know, 9-11, we, we all, you know, up there, it's a great community, you know, you got people at the university from all over the world, and we had events, and we had, um, things where we started trying to raise money, and, um, I was a part of a, a leadership group up there that we went around to football games and basketball games and started before the games of getting on the microphone and you know you want to talk about being nervous try being down the bottom of the football field and have a microphone in your hand and trying to look up and you see you know ten thousand of your peers in the student section you got to try and talk to them and say hey give me some of your money even though you're a poor college kid mm. um you know there, there's always there's always things that come up that if you are a you know 
a man of faith and your eyes are open that you can see the opportunity to just teach and to talk about that stuff. And right now, um, you know, it's getting all of our kids and, and we, we try to go out and we try to help other, you know, you know, either sporting programs, we try to go support other, other, our basketball team, our football team. We try to get our kids to go out and do that, our, our volleyball teams. Um, you try to get these kids out of their little world. Um, we've got, uh, we do some uh, servant leadership stuff in the fall. We went and um, packed food for um, love packs in Little Elm. Um, you just try to, you try to enact servant leadership as mm. often as you can. Um, you know, stuff like that. And I think that goes a long way to where you don't actually have to pick a specific issue that's going on. If you can teach them to be good people and to be servant people, that when they go off into the world, that will help when they go off to college or they start their own family. I think that really helps that they'll fall back on the stuff that we did. That's good. Yeah, very good. I like that servant leadership. I like that instilling that into to, to students. At, a, at, at this age to, like you said, when they get launched out into the world, that they're not focused on themselves, they're focused outwardly and then mm-hmm. kind of brings people together. That's good. So a lot of our listeners are, uh, we have a lot of student athletes and coaches that listen. So I'm going to ask you to offer some advice or encouragement to them. I mean, athletics is a platform. It can be used for good, for bad. I know that's a debatable topic, but it is a platform. And so, <laughs> And it's also not, I mean, you mentioned no resistance to Little Elm, but not everybody experiences that. So what encouragement would you offer that student athlete or coach that is a believer, is a follower of Christ, but, but, but wants to, to, to be a little more bold outwardly with their faith and, and use this platform that God's given them? How would you encourage them to do that? Well, um, Man, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, um, I would I would say first and foremost, you gotta you gotta trust that that God's in control, that God's plan. Mm. Um, no matter where you're at, whether you're in a good place, you're in a bad place, whether you're in the place you want to be or the place you don't think you want to be, um, you know, there, there's a reason for it. There's a reason why you're there. there. There's always a lesson. There's always something that will um, that you need to to open your eyes to see and either change a part of you or change what you're doing or the way you're doing it. Um, and it's that trust. Um, you know, <clears throat> if you're, if you're always doing something for you're, you're, you're never wrong. If you're doing something for somebody else's benefit, not your own. Um, that's another thing. If you're doing things for selfish reasons, um, eventually it's going to catch up with you. And, um, being a follower of Christ, um, if you can trust in God's plan, no matter where you're at, um, second thing I'd say is is pray. Um, praying is a big part. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're whether you're happy, you pray and give thanks. Um, if you're not, if something's, something's weighing on your heart, you, you you pray for, you know, not for, you know, I don't ever pray for a million dollars, which obviously I'd love to have a million dollars, but. You pray for the strength and wisdom to figure out how to get the million dollars. Um, you know, you pray for for strength and wisdom. And um, a wise man once told me, he said, "God, God never says no. God only gives you three answers when you pray. Um, the first answer is yes, which everybody loves. 
Um, the second answer is not yet because you're not ready. You're not ready to receive the gifts because um, either, you know, for various reasons, you could not be able to use it the way he wants or, mm. you know, anything like that. Um, and your third reason is he has something better in mind. Mm. You know, I, I interviewed for eight, nine different head coaching jobs, um, but I only interviewed for one after August of 2010 when I was on my my knees telling him that, that my life was his. Mm. Um, I actually only interviewed for two now. And both of them, they came to me. It wasn't me going out to them. All 10 interviews that I went to try and seek that head coaching job, I didn't get. You know, it wasn't a no. It was uh, something better in mind. And there's been times that I've prayed for things, and it's almost immediate. Yes, here you go. Um, you know, and so that that is that's the biggest thing is trust it. Have the faith that no matter what you're going through, and and when you're going through those tough times, when things seem like they're weighing down on you, you know, it's it's a matter of changing your perspective. It's, it's not that things are happening to you. Um, things are happening for you. Um, why is this happening? There's something this is happening because I either need to learn something or I need to change something, or this is going to make me a better person Mm -hmm. or it's going to, you know, um, it's going to help me later in life. There's certain, you know, every coach could tell you some sort of, story when you've been in this long enough that either you you had to go talk to your principal or something happened that you know is a mistake stuff like that and to me you know like oh we i just kind of had to give this advice the other day um to to a coach that you know the reason this happened was because later on in life, later on in your coaching career, you're either one, this is going to stop you from making a bigger mistake. Mm. You're going to remember this moment. Or two, you're going to be doing what I'm doing. I'm able to talk to you and help somebody through this because this is what I experienced. Mm. And so when you look at things like that, when things are happening for you instead of to you, if you're not happy, um, you get out of it quicker you start looking for the solutions. You're not focused on the problems. And if you focus on the problems, you're never going to get out. You can't see the light. Mm-hmm. If you focus on the solutions, then you start figuring out how to get through the problems and um, that you're experiencing, and you get to the, the better times. That's good. So a lot of people have what they call a life verse or a favorite scripture. So I was going to ask if you have one that you'd share with us, or maybe there's a verse that God used in your life recently that you would share to encourage us. I do. I do. In fact, it's, uh, um, it might still be on the walls at, at Rudder High School in their um, field house, but it's First uh, Corinthians 12, 12. Um, for as the body is one has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though are many, um, on one body and so also with Christ and to me you can apply that to everything that we do in terms of coaching and faith mm-hmm. start with coaching baseball you know we, with these kids everybody has their role everybody has their part they're either their finger their foot their hand their head their heart their um, whatever it is but we all have one purpose and that's to work together that's to make everything work to, 
to get the job done, whatever it is that day. If it's to win the game or if it's to have a great practice, you take it in terms of faith. Um, we all are different places of our faith. Um, you have the ones that are your, your your fingers, your arms that go out and they reach. They can go to missionaries. They can go out, you know, and, and try to pull people back in. You have mm-hmm. your your feet and your legs, which are probably, to me, are more of your, your people that have the financial means to give more than what your tithing is to help the arms go out there. And then you have your voice, which is, you know, your pastors of the church and your people that speak and try to bring in more people and, and make disciples. And But we all work together. Without one, you can't have the other. And to me, that's, a, that's what sums it up, bottom line. Um, that's my, my favorite one. That's I've good. Come across so far out of the old book. That's a good one. I mean, that's a, that's I'm a great. Done, I'm not done reading it. But. Yeah, yeah, but that that is that's a great encouragement to whether you're a coach, an athlete, or just your role in in, in your local church and your family. No matter where you are, that you have to know your your part. Don't don't you know, don't. Bigger things nowadays might might be in your family. You yeah, know, your, your family life. Is. Yeah. Know your role. Understanding those, yep. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. So the last question I want to ask you is um, the word, the two words all in is a, is a big deal, especially in sports. I mean, Clemson had on their chin straps. I, I've seen a number of mm-hmm. pro college high school teams. It's kind of their rally cry. But also, I mean, Scripture talks a lot about that too. I mean, Jesus was very clear of uh, following him. You have to be all in. You know, you're – dropping everything and in, 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 in you're following him. So what does it look like for you as a person um, in your daily walk with Christ? What does that being all in your walk with Christ look like for you? Uh, it, means, it means no matter, number one, no matter what um, comes my way that day, um, I know that it's there for a reason. I know that... Mm-hmm. Um, that I can't just, you know, be a man of faith or be open about my faith when things are good. I got to do it when things are bad, no matter what. I'm, I'm, I'm in this. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't abandon my principles because of this that's going on. It's, it's still there through the tough times. Um, <clears throat> two, I mean, I think that it goes, you know with it not just being about you. There's a lot of times I, when I have my alone time on the way to school at, you know, 4.15 in the morning, which is a whole other topic for, for later. But <laughs> uh, a lot of times that's the only time I, I get to just sit in the car, I turn the radio off, and I just sit there and I and I, and I just talk to God mm-hmm. you know, about what's going on and something's weighing on me. And a lot of times I, I tell him I ended of, of God, you know, I know I've told you my problems, but but make me a vessel to you. If, if there's someone that needs that needs to hear you, put them in front of my face and you speak through me. Um, you know, whether it's a, a student, a player, a, um, you know, anybody, a teacher, fellow coworker, it's, it's your, no matter what, it, it doesn't turn off. You can't just turn off that switch of I'm no longer a Christian. Or I'm no longer a, mm-hmm. a coach. I'm no longer a, a father, I'm no longer a husband. You know, you're you're all in no matter what's going on, especially you know, when things might not be what you feel are right in your life, you still have to do that for other people because it's it never turns off. You're all in no matter what. 
Yeah, that's good. I like that. You know, I'm an early person too. I, I leave home between four forty-five and five most mornings, and, and I love um, sports radio. But I try mm-hmm. not every morning. I'm not successful every morning, but there are a lot of mornings I try to just turn it off and just use that time. Um, there's not a lot of traffic, so I just get on the road and and cruise into work. And I I try to use that time, like you said, to kind of get myself right. Um, and it just seems like when I start my day that way, then, you know, like you were talking about, no matter what comes your way, my perspective is right. I can tell a difference when I don't, when I choose to start my day a a different way, selfishly, um, then I'm not able to handle the day as well. So that's good. I like that. That's a good reminder that it is. I mean, it's, it's every day. It's not a Sunday thing. It's, it's truly, um, I was talking to a guy the other day um, and preparing to, to record one of those. And, and his thing was, you know, you got to wake up and make a choice before your feet hit the floor that you're going to be grateful. You're going to be thankful to God for, for just waking you up. And I thought, man, that's just so simple. But so many times I neglect when I wake up just to be thankful that I'm, I'm awake that day. Yeah, so that's, that's yeah good. absolutely. And, and that's, you know, it, and it's, it's not, you know, it's one of those things that there's a lot of people out there, and, and I, I come across this with, with kids, um, high school kids. They, a lot of people think that once you, once you accept Christ and once you um, become a believer that everything's perfect in your that's life. Right. Perfect, yeah. And that's far from the truth. You know, a lot of times it becomes even tougher first part. Those first few years um, after, you know, 2010, things got tougher. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we, we stuck to it. We stuck to it. And it's, it's a matter of it helps you deal. There, there will always be waves of life that will hit you. That's right. Sometimes they come in hard, fast. Like, you know, sometimes they're not very busy. Sometimes they sneak up on you. But it helps you when, one, when things are calm for you to prepare for when those waves come in. And two, he's right there holding your hand, making sure you, you're not drowning, that you're going to get through those waves. And um, you're right, just being grateful that you're up, you know, that <laughs> – that right there hasn't meant more to me. Um, hasn't been any more. It's probably most important to me right now with, with you know, the last few weeks and um, dealing with with my father and yeah. and, and that, that. Just being grateful that we're here. Being grateful that I get to hug my two boys and my you know kiss my wife and grateful that I get to coach a baseball game. It's a silly game in the grand scheme of things, but I love it so much that. You know, just being grateful of the little things. And if you're ever grateful of the little things, man, those big things don't weigh you down as much. Amen. That's good. Not nearly as much. Yeah. Well, I, I, I really appreciate your time. I know this is a, a busy a busy season of life for you with, with baseball season kicking off and two little ones and recording this on a Sunday afternoon when it's probably your only day that you actually get to um, take some time and, and, and relax. I, I, I really, really appreciate your time. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate uh, you calling me. I appreciate old Lanny Williams down in Brenham giving you my, my name, and I'll be sure to give you a couple to carry this on and keep it going. Uh, awesome. After you go off the air. But, no, I, this is this is awesome. I, I, I love being able to, to share because a lot of times, you know, being – I'm sure there's a lot of coaches out there and 
public school district that don't have many opportunities or don't have it as good as I do when it comes to being able to mm. express my faith. So Amen. We can keep this going and give other guys opportunities to be able to share their stories. That's what it's about. That's Amen. how you change people, sharing your own stories. I pre- well, I, I do appreciate no, you. you being available and, and willing to share yours. Absolutely. Thanks again to, to Matt for taking time of his busy schedule to join us. I mean, right is high school baseball season is kicking off and teams are in tournaments and just taking some time away from his family to, to share his story. What a powerful story. I love the testimony of his dad. With just the moment, his dad's final days, been able to pray with his dad for the first time in his life. That story has stuck with me from the first time he shared that with me. Um, but as you can tell, that he's just got such a, a heart for using the platform he's been given through coaching um, to share Jesus and to point people to Christ. And even in, in interviews for head coaching jobs, to tell people up front, hey, I am a believer And my kids are going to hear about Jesus. Practice plans, having scripture, parent meetings, sharing scripture. That's bold. That's what we're called to do. So just so encouraged. Um, And and the scripture he shared is one that that I I love and I've shared before with others when we're talking about um, sports and um, the, the role of a teammate, but it's also the picture of the church that um, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, but just as the body is one, as many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is, is with Christ. I mean, just like um, as he shares on, on the baseball team, not everybody's a pitcher, not everybody's an outfielder, not everybody's the head coach. It's the same way for you and me in life. We're all called to do something else. We're different. We're all gifted and talented in different ways, and we all are created for that special purpose, but we're all one body. When we understand our purpose, our calling, our giftedness, our talents, and we use those, the body functions as it should in unity. That's what this is all about. And the encouragement to trust His plan always, because I know in my life, I need to be reminded often that God's plan is always greater than my plan. What a great encouragement. If you've been encouraged by this episode and by Matt's story, share it with a family member, a friend. Share it on social media. Go to iTunes and leave us a review. As If you've listened to us for for any time, you know that the more reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue sharing Jesus through sports, through these stories with others across the country, around the world. And lastly, we love to hear from you. Always encouraged by your prayers, always encouraged by your, by your messages. You can do that via social media. Go to our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach, or our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. We love hearing from you. You can also find out who we are why we do what we do, opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. Again, thank you for listening, and until next time.